episode 105, I think about thinking about playing it. Join us at the table where we talk board games to miniatures and everything in between. The Games We Play with Brian and Chris. And welcome back to The Games We Play, a podcast about board games, tabletops, RPGs, miniatures, but always about the games we play. I'm your host, Brian, and co-founder of The Games We Play. And with me this week is my lovely wife, Emily. I'm Emily. And welcome back to the podcast, and thank you for tuning in. This is episode 105 of the podcast. Uh, This week, we're going to be talking about some board games that Emily and I played, and uh, that's about it. Nothing uh, too special, but if this is your first time listening, we do thank you for tuning in. Just to let you know, right now, during the pandemic, we're kind of doing things just a little differently. We're just doing shorter episodes where we just talk about some of the games that we played, uh, normal episodes, we we kind of have shorter segments and, and off-the-wall topics, but right now we're just doing this quick and easy thing. So, uh, now that I got that out of the way, Emily, how have things been going with you? They've been okay. Very busy. <laughs> uh, this seems to be a theme every time we talk. <laughs> Someday it'll get better, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, school's about to be over here, I think, in two weeks or so. Uh, for our son, and uh, summer is going to be starting, I guess, officially or whatever. I guess <laughs> once school gets done, it kind of feels like summer, but I don't know. We've had some chilly days already, so it's not quite there, but it's coming. And then, um, I don't know, bowling and other <laughs> activities, swimming and swimming, uh, bowling. I don't know what else. A lot of bike basketball. riding, basketball. Yeah. Uh, A lot of basketball in the driveway, probably. (laughs) Yes. Um, But that'll mark summer for us. But uh, in the meantime... Hopefully more game playing. Yeah, we'll we'll see. Um, Probably some just some chillaxing out in the driveway with the the fire pit and s'mores and, you know, good fun stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I guess in the meantime, we'll just keep working and try to get through the school year for him and try to get into some normalcy and a different schedule for the summer. (laughs) Maybe even get into the office. Uh, we'll see for working. Hopefully for you. I know. Maybe uh, play some games at work again. That'd be really nice. Whoa. I know. It's been a year and a half. It's so weird. You for... guys will have to do like sparkling grape juice or something <laughs> to <laughs> commemorate though. <laughs> or bribe the guys to come back to work. Um, have I mean, snacks. Basically... You could bring Rice Krispie Trees or something. <laughs> <laughs> basically eight years of working there uh, up until the pandemic or eight and a half years Every Tuesday and Thursday, at least, played board games. So that's a long time to be playing board games at work, at lunch, and then just suddenly to stop and not play for a year and, and a few months, I guess, now. So I'm really looking forward to getting back into that. I know the CDC just lifted guidelines here, at least for masking for vaccinated. Uh, so hopefully some normalcy coming up, and uh, maybe we all can get back in the office and play more games, I guess. I mean, I, I want to go in the office for normalcy, but I mean, playing board games is obviously is obviously a bonus for getting back in the office. Well, yeah. But eh, we'll see. Hopefully, those a lot of those guys don't just stay and work from home permanently. At least they come in the office on Tuesday and Thursday. Well, you could lure them back with board games and snacks. Yeah, if you're going to come into the office or work from home, it can't be Tuesdays and Thursdays. Well, anyway, as things start to change here, uh, hopefully get more games in and see more people and get back to normal. But in the meantime, we have each other to play games <laughs> with, I guess. We always have each other. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, All the two-player games. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. 
pretty much. No offense. I mean, I don't mind playing games with you, but uh, it would be nice to play games with other people as well. <laughs> Speaking of playing games with other people, mm-hmm. uh, we did get t- together with one of our neighbors that we hadn't had uh, really seen in a while. Well, I see them because I do their hair. But, sure, sure. But uh, it had been a while, right? Yeah, I don't think we had played games before the after the pandemic. I know. I th- I don't think so either. It's been a while. So it's been a it, long time. It was really nice to catch up with them. It's been eighty four years. <laughs> <laughs> it was really nice to catch up with them and have them come over. They live just like a couple houses down, so it's really nice that they can just walk over and their kids can stay there because they're a little older and. Um, it just works out really well. So they came over and we actually played a game and we played Raiders of the North Sea. So we pulled that out. This was the first time playing our copy, I believe, since we got it from the Kickstarter. We have played the game before. It's just we added it on when we got the uh, Architects trilogy, whatever, from the Kickstarter. So uh, we pulled that out and it had been a while. So what do you think, uh, you know, since we played a lot of other worker placement games and a lot of <laughs> other games like the Architects and mm-hmm. um, of the West Kingdom trilogy, we played played all those um comparing they're kind of apples apples a little bit but comparing them to other worker placement uh, how was it pulling it out playing it i know it's been like a year or two since last time we played it well we rented it during the shutdown last year yeah so it's been right about a year yeah, I guess. So yeah so almost a year uh i really liked it i almost like it better than architects it's a different flavor. I wouldn't say i would like it better than architects but it's definitely good it's it's up there for sure um so if, if you've never played this game, I highly recommend you check it out. It's a great worker placement with a great theme. Uh, it, it's obviously a Viking theme. Well, I guess not obviously, but it's the Raiders of the North Sea. So it's a Viking theme where you have uh, clans or, or groups of crews of of, of raiders or of Vikings, and you're trying to ransack and raid these villages like monasteries and outposts and, and whatnot, and you're trying to pick up all this plunder and then... Essentially, by doing that, you're getting victory points, uh, depending on how you know mighty strength you are. And then whoever has the most victory points at the end of the game, game wins. And so this is achieved by taking actions on your turn uh, using workers. And so the unique thing about this, instead of just placing a worker, which you still do, you then place a worker and then you pick one up, which is kind of cool. That's a unique way of doing worker placement. Yeah, I just it's it's just so unique. You, I mean, you get to place a worker again. That's not unique, but um, being able to pick and and get a second action on your turn with the worker placement, and it has to be um, picking up a worker. It's kind of cool. And then they throw in the mix that there's uh, three different colors of workers, and each of the workers can do different things uh, depending on the action spot. So uh, one of the workers might give you more resources, while one of the better ones might give you less resources, or vice versa. So it really does change it up. Not to mention there's certain areas on the board for raiding that you can only raid with one type of worker. And so you kind of have to strategically maybe try to pick up one of the better workers, even though you might not need that action, but to set yourself up for next turn to be able to place that better worker on a outpost or what a monastery or whatever to raid it because you couldn't do it with the worker you had before. Um, that's a really cool strategy. And so that's just one little extra thing you have to keep track of and strategize and kind of think ahead a turn or two ahead on what you want to do because 
you know, if you want to get that higher tier worker, you really have to take advantage of it when you can or plan ahead to how you can acquire one yourself. Mm-hmm. I feel like I wasted some of my higher level workers just because I had to go back down to the, I guess you call it the town or whatever, uh, to build one of my guys or... Hire one of your members. You guys are building. <laughs> I mean, it was a joke at first, and then we, or I mean, it wasn't a joke. So I, the what Erica was saying, or was it you? Saying, it was build, me. Yeah, build my worker. You, there's an action spot where you you have cards, and the cards are crew members, like potential crew members that you can hire onto your crew because you require so many crew cards at certain places that you're rating. There's a there's a requirement on each spot. Um, so. I, we just had some really bad luck with these Valkyrie uh, in certain spots. And the Valkyrie, when you take it over, makes you uh, basically discard one of your workers and so or one of your crew members. And so Emily was losing crew members, and so was I. And mm-hmm. so it was kind of a running joke about uh, building crew members instead of hiring them. <laughs> anyway, I guess he had to be there. But. My, mine are robots. Because you Robot. build old Viking Vikings. turn of the century. Yeah. I do like in the game how the board is different a little bit in the each game because you put out different resources in each of the things you raid that yeah 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 the places locations i don't know what they called them but yeah so s- sometimes i wouldn't choose one of them because i didn't like the resources that th- were there i had i like chose a different one yeah i mean you might be looking for that gold or the wood or the cattle for example and you know that spot doesn't have it and it's kind of funny that they actually include a little linen bag just for randomizing those resources at the beginning of the game which is kind of weird that it just randomly comes with a bag just to do that because that's what you load up all those resources mix it up you you place on the board and then any leftover you take out of the bag and put it on the table well that was kind of them yeah and it's just and <laughs> i mean it's cool it's <laughs> what else nice are you gonna it, do but it's just kind of weird that they they it wasn't even linen it's one of, actually one of those nicer ones but felt or whatever but velvet uh, velvet whatever velour um Anyway, that, it's just kind of <laughs> random that they included that in there just uh, for setup purposes. But um, I like this game. It's it's a lot of fun. Um, the strategy just with, hey, what worker am I going to place? Which worker am I going to pick up? And then paying attention to the three types of workers and then the rewards they offer that can be varying. Having to get cards to manage your crew. And then your crew have special abilities too. So you can really build up an engine. I know Erica and Brett the other couple that we were playing with, they got some early recruiter crew cards that they hired onto the ship and it allowed them to recruit or hire other crew members at a discount. And that was really big because they had that from almost turn one or so. And that's that was a big deal for them because they just were loading up their crew. Uh, we just had... <laughs> Some, we just had really bad luck where we were basically doubling up on Valkyries everywhere. And those Valkyries are random from the beginning of the game. And so we were losing crew left and right. It was kind of kind of crazy. Um, but that's just how the game was randomized, you know. So um, it was fun. I really like this game. It, it it's, was really fun. It, it's, it's, um, it's not too difficult to teach either. Sometimes with worker placement games, I think we've talked about this before. You pull in a worker placement game, you, chart, you start explaining it. But then you have to explain every single place that you put have to put a worker which can be difficult or challenging mm-hmm. right 
I mean that you have to go through each spot on the board and say like, yeah. okay, if you place here, this is what you get to do. And the actions, I mean, are pretty easy. It's just you have to explain twenty places. Right. This this yes. game, I think, only has seven or eight, maybe nine action spots. But still, it still can be difficult to explain that. Not to mention you're having to explain the game, the concept of it, and then you have to try to explain how those try to tie those places and why you want to be taking those actions, how it ties into your progress to ransack these these villages or places to, for plunder so um that's i mean that's a tricky thing but i think every worker placement game has this it's a lot it's probably the easiest at least of the west kingdom trilogy to explain i think architects paladins and uh viscounts is all those are kind of tricky there's a lot mm-hmm. to those uh, definitely a little more complex and heavier than raiders um, i think raiders is a great entry level into this type of worker placement it's actually not terribly difficult and it's a lot of fun to play yeah and if you look at the board it's pretty self-explanatory and read the cards yeah which helps a lot (laughs) yes (laughs) reading the cards does help a lot (laughs) i'm just kidding i'm sorry um i can cut that out but yeah overall really good game um enjoyed playing this i enjoy playing it more uh there's expansions i definitely want to get of course uh but great i enjoyed game. playing with four players oh yeah it was great at four players a lot of fun it's a lot more fun than two players it is a sure. lot more fun than two players i mean it's still doable at two players it's just not as fun for sure there's less competition on those villages or places that you're ransacking or raiding if you will it definitely is a lot more fun at four because you have to be a lot more strategic and mm-hmm. intentional, more efficient. Yeah, uh, with two the, players you just kind of do whatever. The spots could be taken, mm-hmm. and so you might have to do your things out of order. Yep, 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 yep. Which is frustrating. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But great game. That's uh, Raiders of the North Sea. So Emily, what's another game we played? You want? Yeah. Talk about? So a while ago we were at a game store and I picked up. Imperial Settlers Roll and Write, which I know that you're not a fan of Imperial Settlers, so I had to talk you into it. But I it mean, was Yeah, Imperial Settlers not a bad game. It's just Empires of the North is so good. Anyway. It was on clearance, which was, was <laughs> I thought it was a steal. Great find. Yeah, it was like fifty percent off. Super excited about it. I love a good deal. Uh, and it's a roll and write. Yeah, and I mean. it's a roll and write. So we picked it up. And we tried it out the other day and so there's actually, when you open the box, there's three different pads of papers, which normally in a roll and write, there's just one. Mm-hmm. So that was different. And there was some dice and some some little tile cards, just a few of those. And mm-hmm. so you That's get, it. yep. Oh, they give you pencils, but yeah, they're um, short Do you little, get pencils? Yeah. No erasers. They're like golf pencils, yes. kind of. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, so you get this. So to play the game, you actually have two sheets of paper. One is kind of your settlement, and the other one is your resource chart, I would say. So then you take turns rolling the dice, and each round, one person rolls the dice, and then you figure out the dice are your resources and then your number of actions that you get to use. But, of course, on your sheet, there's, like, once you mark off different resources, you get different bonuses, and you can... Um, use those bonuses on your settlers page to again get bonuses and get your engine going. Yeah, on that one sheet that you're talking about with the the 
resources. Technically, each one of those rows are supposed to be like a wall, bridges, oh. or cottages, or I mean, whatever. They're just basically check boxes that require right. certain resources to check it off, and to check it off, you have to spin actions to do so, and then they give you victory points. So. I guess in that regards, I get what they're getting going for. Like the walls, the stone resources, the food is the cottages, the bridges are, I think they're a combination of wood and stuff. And then the wood is something I don't remember, but I mean, it's loosely there, I guess the theme. Now the other sheet though, those are those buildings. And I guess those are a little more thematic uh, because there's actually pictures of the buildings that you're building. (laughs) And the resources that you have to spend to build it. And once you build it, they give you special abilities that you unlock. So they're going to give you bonus resources or have triggering effect where they give you extra actions, stuff like that. And then what? what is the other? Oh, yeah. And then you can use those bridges that you build. And there's like a bottom portion where it unlocks pastures that or like fields that you can then use actions to get resources. So it's just another way to get resources in the game. I guess that's about it. What you play... 10 rounds or so Mm -hmm. and then you just figure out how many victory points you have and the main way of getting victory points are crossing off those those resource spots as you were talking about but basically that wall or bridge and stuff like that Um, because as you go further on there's going to require more resources and then it exponentially gives you more victory points and then you add all those together and then some of your buildings can give you victory points depending if you built them or not or how much you put into it um, and that's basically the game, right? There's not really much, much else to it. Oh, those little tiles that you were talking about. Um, you pick out, I think, the number of players plus one and randomize them. So after rolling the dice, which everybody gets, then starting with the first player, you get to choose one of the tiles. And they're they're beneficial. I mean, they're really good. Some are more situational than others. But they give you bonuses just for you. And so you kind of draft, pick them, and then you get them for just that round. And then they go back to the pool. And then player order changes. So everybody gets a chance at picking first. So an interesting little game. I think um, it definitely has the Imperial Settlers feel. I think you even use some of the same art, maybe. Um, and maybe just yeah. real illustrated. But it's definitely the same pictures of the farms and and resources yeah yeah Yeah, exact same resources the action dies it has pictures of the workers with the same like pink color Mm -hmm. so it'll look and feel just like imperial sellers if you're a big fan of it um so what do you think of like the roll and write place we played enough roll and writes uh so what do you think about this roll right is any different than other roll rights what is this one that you would play again? How does this differ from other ones? I would play it again. I really liked it. It is a little bit different. Um, like the way you get bonuses and the resources. I haven't seen another roll and write where you get resources like that. I guess it's a little more themed in. So technically right. other roll and writes like that's pretty clever. You do get bonus is the mark. But not the other resources. True. I guess it's you don't get resources. Numbers yeah, it's colors. just numbers. Yeah. But in theory, it's the same idea. You're getting numbers from the dice. And in that, you unlock other numbers that give you numbers. Is that not the same thing? So technically, the numbers are your resource in that game. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But it, I guess it's just more thematic, right? Your farm gives you extra mm-hmm. food. Your stoneworks gives you extra stone. The lumber bill gives you extra right. wood or whatnot. 
So I guess it's definitely a lot yeah. more thematic in that regard. Mm-hmm. I did like how in the advanced rules, which we did play. Oh, yeah. Uh, once you do cross off in that chart section of your resources, then you can draw these Tetris-like shapes based on your cottage building or your village buildings that give you more bonus points or give you a bonus of like more actions or more They, res- upgra- they upgrade the building. Yes. So each of the buildings has a shape that it, represents i guess and so if you fill in enough spaces over on your other sheet and you can make the shape you outline it and um, you're basically like building it i guess and when you do that then on each of the buildings it tells you what benefits it gets well there's a underlying number that you get to upgrade so you cross it out and, and add one to it and so now you permanently upgraded that building and you can do it multiple times. So if you have enough spots that you can update, uh, that you can draw that shape in over on your other sheet, you can keep upgrading it. So you can upgrade your farm multiple times. And um, like I did that, I upgraded it twice, and I was able to get three food every turn, mm-hmm. which was actually, I think that's actually kind of what sealed the win for me. I mean, it was a really close game. I think it I was. won by like two points. Uh, but the last turn, I was able to cross off the the food track because it required. A lot of food, uh, but I was generating three every turn on top of the dice, which is kind of big. Um, but that's just an example of one of the buildings and how you could upgrade it. But you can do that to any of the other ones. I think we had a building that gave actions, extra mm-hmm. actions. Right. And holy cow, like that was paying dividends because actions, you would think resources are going to be right. the commodity or the scarce resource, but it ended up being actions actually that end up being more scarce than uh the food which is actually kind of funny because that's how imperial settlers is now that i think about it oh yeah it's exactly like that by in game you have so many resources Mm -hmm. but because you lose the resources be every round so you have to use them all but typically you can't get enough actions to check off enough boxes to spend all the resources so um kind of interesting there but um, yeah, I really like those. I don't know why they call them advanced rules because it really was that much more difficult. No, you just drew shapes. <laughs> it was not hard to get. I mean, I was, I did upgrade my food as well, and I was getting to the point where I was just wasting a bunch of food. Yeah, you couldn't I didn't use have the food actions. Anymore. Yep. Because there's only a couple spots where you can use food. It's mm-hmm. not building, that's for sure. Right. But those buildings, even if you complete them, don't give you victory points per se, unless you're doing the one that gives you victory points. So um, definitely, there's it's an interesting strategy. I mean, you, you can play the game where you just try to build all the, like, the wall, the bridge, and stuff that actually give you victory points. Or you can try to put some resources, build some buildings that then give will give you more stuff late game, so you can build more of those. It, there's definitely a line that you have to try to figure out when you stop doing buildings and you go over here or so there's definitely strategy here and I really like it. Um, and I really like that everybody gets the same dice. There's no, yeah, there's no on my turn. I rolled these, but I only get to use one of your dice that you threw away. We mm-hmm. all use the same dice. There's no rerolls. It's just, you roll it and you get it. Um, the only thing that you would get on your turn is those special actions. But even, even then there's usually one that's going to be good for you. I mean, you might prefer the other, but overall, I right. really, I did really like this. It did have a different feel to it, uh, even though if you break it down to its fundamental, it's a lot like other rolling rights. But it definitely had a theme to it, and I really, I, I appreciate that. The other thing I really appreciate is um, that third pad paper that you were talking about. It actually is just for solo mode, and this pad of paper, every piece of paper is unique. 
so I think there were 48 sheets, I think. And every single sheet in that in that uh, pad is completely different than the other sheets. So every single one's unique with the combination of buildings and, and abilities and everything. And there's some special rules for single player. So I really appreciate that. I mean, these are full colored sheets. Uh, so it's not even black and white. So there's definitely some production value and it probably wasn't cheap for them to do that. And to make a whole pad of paper of sheets be completely different just for solo mode. That's the first time I've ever actually seen that much extra effort and, mm-hmm. and resources that went to a game just for solo. Um, yeah, you can see that with Stonemeyer games, they usually just have like a de- extra deck of cards, mm-hmm. but um, those are huge games. This is a small box game where a third of the, the third of the game is just <laughs> dedicated for solo. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, we'll have to try those out. Yeah, they looked really interesting. I was flipping through, and it definitely gives a challenge. Um, there's also, I think, like you can work your way through them progressively, and um, looks really interesting and something I'd actually be interested in playing through. But um, really cool to see see them do that. That was kind of appreciated. How far you've come? <laughs> you just said that I would like to play a roll and write by myself. No, I would say I'd be interested oh. in trying. I'm not saying I'm going to do it, but... <laughs> I'm just, just saying I appreciate that thought that went into I've thought about it. <laughs> <laughs> and then I decided no. I, th- I think about thinking about about doing it. <laughs> That's like most things. I think a lot about thinking about doing it before I do stuff. It just yeah. Anyway, neither here or there, but uh that was uh Imperial Settlers rolling right. Check it out. Totally worth it. I liked it. Might be on clearance at your local board game. It could be. (laughs) Who knows? Hard to say. We should just get rid of our Imperial Settlers normal game and just keep that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Not not, uh, Empires of the North, though, because Empires of the North. No. Actually, I really want to play Empires of the North. It's been a while. We should. It's been a long time. It's a really good game. It's a great game. Anyway, last, uh, last game we want to talk about is a game we just played today, actually, and it's called Flamme Rouge. I think that's how you pronounce it. I don't know. It's French. Are you sure it's not Flamme? Flamme. I don't know. Flamme Rouge, whatever. I'm going to say it that way. <laughs> Who cares if I butchered it? I'm sure I did. It's a different language. Um, but this is actually a bicycle racing game uh, from, I think it's from Stronghold Games. That's right. Anyway, uh this is a, yeah, it's a bicycle racing game, and it's supposed to be like Tour de France, Tour de France, Force, Tour de Force, I don't know, whatever, who cares, it's it's a bicycle team game, and it's set in France or something. Anyway, I've heard really good things about this game, a lot of good things about this game, and it was on sale on Game Nerds a uh, month or two ago, and I had it on hold and finally got my threshold and got it sent to us so we pulled this out and i started punching it out and the rule book was i think three or four pages long not too bad read through it really quickly and realized that probably our son could play and sure enough uh he was interested in it just because uh the track that you could <laughs> you could put together <laughs> and forms these circle or kind of curves and windy path and he was just wanting to put the track together <laughs> But the cardboard for the track is actually, I would say, really thick. That was my first, I think, thing I noticed as punches out. I mean, normal cardboard, it was like double or triple the thickness, like really thick pieces. It felt really sturdy. I just wanted to point that out because I really appreciate that. So it really has some heftiness to the the track. And um, 
is pretty durable, so that's kind of nice uh, with it, especially two-sided and you're kind of puzzle piecing put together. But uh, anyway, it's here or there, but it is kind of modular, and it comes with a bunch of cards that tell you how do you build your course. And then, of course, you could build your own, but the cards kind of go with the theme of different areas in France, I believe, and how the kind of course would play out, which is kind of cool, kind of thematic, and, and is kind of a nod to the real-life races, I guess. Uh, I'm not a big... Uh, bicycle racing connoisseur so i have no idea it's out of my league but i do like riding my bike it's neither here or there but um <laughs> so this is actually a pretty easy easy game you can you take control of two bicyclists and i they're once called like the royal oh gosh i'm gonna like butcher this Roy Lear and sprint tour I don't know. I think the sprint chore is probably like sprinter. I don't, I really don't know. It doesn't matter, but you're just, you're just trying to get one of your bicyclists across the finish line to finish the game and, and win essentially. So the cool thing about this game and how, how it works out is you have a deck of cards for each of the two riders, one for your Royler and sprint tour. And they have a different distribution of the numbers and the deck, uh, which is kind of cool. So there's your unique uniqueness to it. And on, simultaneously everybody basically draws four cards from one of the decks and pick one and then the other three get discarded to the bottom of the deck face up and then you do that with both uh racers and this is all kind of hidden and then everybody flips once they're done and then you go through and whoever's in you go from first to last place and you move the bicyclist the number of spaces that your card says and then after you do that the card is discarded from the game so once you use it you're you're gone and you only have so many cards and, and so it kind of plays out like that. Obviously, there can be blocking, but you can actually move through people as long as you land on an open spot. And uh, that's basically the game um, for the most part. But really where the strategy comes in is that after you do moving, there's this thing called slipstream. And so it's kind of like uh, if you're ever biking with other people, um, drafting is kind of a big thing. If you're out in front of, of somebody... You're getting the blunt of the wind and, and the air resistance. And if you're behind the person, you're it really does make a big difference when you're going fast. That uh, just being behind them and drifting, uh, man, just a lot less effort. And so that's kind of the idea here is you have packs of bicycles on the board and they, they find what the packs are. And if there's a only one space between one pack to another, then starting with the back, they get to move up automatically one space into the next pack. And so what it can play out and what where the strategy comes in is to be able to win this game, you obviously need some higher ones for the end. But at the same time, you need to keep up with the pack and then really utilize the slipstreaming because you can get free spaces by doing that. So, for example, um, I think there was one turn where I played a three, but I was able to get a double slipstream. So I was in the back and then I went up to the next pack. Well, that pack was one behind the next pack. And so I got to move up two spots for playing a number three card, which is mm -hmm. kind of a big deal. Yeah. Because that's a lower card. On top of it, after slipstreaming, if you are in front of a pack, i.e. there's no space or there's an open square in front of your guy, then you get an exhaustion cards. And so these there's a huge deck of exhaustion cards. <laughs> and they're a value of two and they get cycled in to your deck because as you come up to your face-up cards, you have to reshuffle. And now you start filling your deck with a bunch of these two cards, which is not 
great. And in the case of our son, who decided on one of his bikes is going to sprint ahead and use all of his nines uh, right away and be ahead, <laughs> um, he, what, ended up with 12 exhaustion cards? Yes. And so by the end of the game, he was only drawing his twos and not getting his other ones. And he ended up, go- that biker was in last place at the end it of the game. It was, yeah. Because he wasn't utilizing the slipstream. Little he was bike. exhausted. Yeah, his biker was exhausted. So that's what's really interesting about this. It's not necessarily about getting all the high cards and play them. Kind of like downstream can be like that a Down little force. bit. Downforce? Yeah, sorry. Downforce can be kind of like that, where if you get up ahead, you can stay ahead because of choke points. And this mm-hmm. game, you can't do that. You have to like stay with the pack. You have to... You kind of have to anticipate what the other players yeah. are going to play with their numbers. Um, you kind of want to be in the back or middle of the pack, though, because you don't want to be in the front to get exhaustion cards. So it's very interesting. But then you have to figure out when you're going to pull ahead from everyone. Yeah, because if you do, then you might you might get exhausted. I think that, right. you, that happened to you. Um, so yes. Very interesting. I mean, it's that's the game. I mean, it's really simple, but there is some strategy, and it's kind of fun. Um it's, I, it's too bad that this is a four-player game. I'd love to play like a five- or six-player game of this. but Is there an expansion that makes it more? You know, I don't know. I, there's a couple expansions, but uh, I'll have to look at that. But overall, I mean, for such a... It was a pretty easy game to play and learn, but it was really fun. I really enjoyed this one. I was kind of surprised how much I was going to like yeah, it. Yeah, the one opinion I've heard about it was, eh, it was okay. Really? Yes. Somebody told me that they would rather play Downforce than this game. But I, I liked this one better than Downforce. Really? Interesting. I'm not saying this person was a game expert. <laughs> oh, man. Um, so, yes, it does look like the expansion does add up to six players. One of the expansions it does. The Peloton expansion. Adds pink and white uh, teams to it. So it allows the base game to play up to six players. There's a breakaway tile and some supply zone tiles, so it adds in some new mechanics. Nice. Um, it looks pretty cool, actually. Um, I do, and it adds a solo variant, which is kind of interesting. Um, and I should mention the the game all the all the road pieces are two sided, and on one side it adds in slopes, and so there's uphill and downhill, which also modifies what you can do, like it. If you're going uphill, you can't slipstream. Uh, you can't play cards over. Well, you can play cards over, but your max movement is capped at five because you're going uphill. You can't play at nine. Um, but there's also downhill where the minimum is five, so you can play one of your your exhausted two cards and still get five mm-hmm. spaces. So that's kind of cool too. Yeah. And so it'd be really fun to play that. And so some of the variations of the the tracks that are predefined uh start mixing in more of those uphill and downhills to really mix up the game that i would think every time you play could be different mm-hmm. especially if you threw six players in that's what i was thinking six players would work really well because you'd get more packs and yeah. it would add more to the strategy that's why i really think six players would be really fun in this um i really like the mechanic of drawing four cards and then you get to choose your number from those four cards it really cuts down on the randomness yes a you lot. i felt like i was in control of my game i mean there are so many times that i was usually picking lower numbers anyway than so i'm you know drawing four cards i might get a seven five and a three or four there was a lot of times i'd be playing the five instead of the seven mm-hmm. um, a lot of the times so it wasn't even 
this game doesn't really necessarily mean that you always have to get the highest card or get lucky. Right. Um, so it, there really wasn't a whole lot of quote unquote luck. I guess the only time luck would come into it is I guess if you had a bunch of exhaustion and you really didn't want to get exhaustion drawn, I guess. But yeah. Right. But, well, yeah. yeah, the luck is the four cards that you draw. That's about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, obviously the the mountains or slopes, whatever they're called, would change it up with that too. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely. So I was just looking. There's another expansion that adds storms. <laughs> there's like the standee thing that looks like I it moves. That. And if it's over those spots, it applies to it. So... Um, that looks kind of interesting. So it adds in like more gameplay mechanics. Looks like just adds a little, maybe more strategy to the game potentially. Yeah, this one is definitely one we're going to keep. And I'd probably add more expansions to this because this yeah. looks awesome. Mm-hmm. These look really great. There's even a there's even a new expansion coming out this year. Cool. Yeah. Are you going to paint the bicyclist? No, bicyclist? I'm not going to paint the bicycle. <laughs> Oh, by the way, the newest expansion coming out in 2021 is introducing a campaign mode. <gasps> Music to my ears. It adds uh, new track tiles, special stages, specialist riders that allow you to customize your deck. Sweet. Each it's of like these additions can be used customizing both your player. bike. Yeah, that looks really, that looks we neat. We should do that. So that's coming out this year. So I'm really, really glad that I picked this one up on sale. I heard good things and. Um, I'm really glad. I was a little afraid that this would kind of, it's one of those situations where, hey, it's a lot like Downforce. We don't need two of these games. Right. But it did not feel like Downforce whatsoever. No. So I feel comfortable and feel good that we own both games and they give you com- two different completely experiences. Yes. But both are family games and I really enjoy that. I really enjoy that our seven-year-old I explained it in like 10 minutes and he was able to play it. And our first game together, we played it in like 30 minutes. And it was enjoyable. And it was actually pretty enjoyable. And he liked it. And mm-hmm. um, a lot of fun. He learned maybe not to sprint out there <laughs> and, and play all your nines in the first three turns. It was like the tortoise and hare situation. It really was. <laughs> That's his favorite book. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. But. He obviously hasn't learned that lesson yet. <laughs> Yeah, that's read it a few more times. That's funny. That's funny. It's true. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, I highly suggest this. This is a great game. Really enjoyed this. A lot of fun. Good strategy. Simplistic. And it fits right into that family game genre. And I think it could be a hit with your family potentially. So definitely check this out. Flamme Rouge. I would say the only downside about this, it's kind of an expensive game. I think that's kind of what prevented me from buying this earlier i think but because it's it's like in the 40s which kind of seems like a lot yeah, but like you said the pieces are really nice the 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 tracks the cardboard tracks are really thick i mean these are triple or quadruple thicker than your normal cardboard pieces and the bikes are nice they're plastic and little they're, bikes. you get this pretty hefty cardboard piece as your player board to hold your cards. Not really that necessary, but yeah, I mean, just adds well, a little bit more to it. Kind of, because it holds your cards. <laughs> well, you could just put two decks in front of you on the Shh, table. No, you need the fancy board. <laughs> uh, that looks like the front of the bike. Uh, yeah. I guess. That <laughs> it's called gameplay immersion. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. 
Well, anyway, um, great game. Really enjoyed it. Uh, definitely check this out. Um, we really liked it, and definitely one that we'll pull out from more from time to time. And this is a game that if we do get guys back at work that I would pull out and I think everybody would enjoy that you can play 30 45 minutes easy yes and we will need to get that campaign absolutely when it comes out (laughs) all right well Emily anything else you want to talk about before we take off I don't believe so okay well I'll be back next week with Chris I think Emily you're going on vacation I know I not think but Emily's gonna be out for the week here on yeah on vacay going to Texas woohoo Silos, Magnolia, here I come. <laughs> Have fun with it. <laughs> oh, I will. Anyway, well, we we do appreciate you tuning in and listening. We we really do appreciate it, and we we thank you for doing that. Uh, we just like talking about games. Hopefully, one of these games piqued your interest. I highly suggest you check out one of these games. We had a lot of fun with all three of them. Look forward to talking about some more games next week, and hopefully, you tune in for episode one hundred six. But in the meantime, from the games we play, I am Brian. And I'm Emily. And keep on gaming. Join the conversation and feel free to give us your feedback. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at GamesWePlayPod and at GamesWePlayPod at gmail.com.